with me into John. John chapter 14. We are dealing with the subject. Receive the Holy Spirit. John 14, the verse 16 through 17. Let me read. This is our Lord Jesus Christ talking in John 14, 16 through 17. He said, and I will pray the Father. I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. The King James Bible says another comforter. That he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth. In other words, the comforter or the helper he is talking about is the spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive. Kindly take note of the word receive because you will see it repeated in many of the verses we're going to look at today. Okay, Whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Somebody say amen. This is one of the powerful revelations Jesus Christ was giving to his disciples at the time. We have the benefit of hindsight, so we know now what Jesus was talking about. But I'm telling you, up until this time, they didn't get what he, was, he meant by the Holy Spirit is with you and he shall be in you. They didn't get it. And I know that even till now, unless you are born again, unless light has come into your spirit, you may not even get what Jesus was saying here. But suffice it to say that what Jesus meant was that the Holy Spirit could not dwell in man until man was regenerated until man was born again until man had received what the bible calls remission or removal or washing away of sins remember the ultimate dream of god the ultimate vision of god the ultimate heartbeat of god is that he will make you and me his dwelling place just think about it we who were considered quote-unquote as scraps unwanted we should have gone into the everlasting fire with Lucifer and his angels but God out of love decided that instead of condemning man let's make something good out of them we can redeem man we can wash man on the inside and then I will put my spirit not just upon man but now in man someone said the Holy Spirit in me. Have you thought about that? I think that that is the greatest miracle any human being on earth can ever achieve. That the Holy Spirit, listen to his name, Holy Spirit, not just any other spirit, but Holy Separate. Holy means separate, distinct, unique spirit coming to join with your spirit. So how can the Holy Spirit dwell in a spirit that is not born again that is not washed in the old testament under the old covenant listen there was not a single individual under the old covenant that ever had the holy spirit living in them never or oh, you don't believe talk about moses elijah david solomon 
all these people had the measure of the spirit working in their lives and oftentimes the holy spirit will come upon people like elijah elisha moses and use them extraordinarily extraordinary tremendous works of miracles yet the holy spirit could not dwell in them do you know why because man had not yet received what the Bible calls remission, removal, washing away of sins. The blood of animals they shed under the old covenant could not wash away the sin nature. It could only cover their sins just for one year. And after one year, the Bible says there was rehearsal of sins. So no one was born again under the old covenant. In fact, you will even discover in the in, in maybe the third verse of scripture we're going to read, you will discover that up until the time Jesus died and rose again, until he visited them in that room where he breathed on them, they were still not born again. Never forget that. Hallelujah. And that was why the Holy Spirit could not live in them. So suffice it to say that when I say receive the Holy Spirit, it is one of the most powerful gifts God could ever give to mankind. I'm talking about the fact that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave his son to the whole world. But when his son died and rose again, he also gave his best gift. God's best gift to the whole world was his only begotten son. And then his son, or Jesus' best gift to the whole world, not to the whole world, but to those who have become a part of him, those who have become members of his body, those who are born again, his gift to them is his spirit where me you and me share the same spirit with jesus christ the bible says as he is so are we in this world first john 4 17 hallelujah he is the head and we are members of what his body hallelujah are you following me people of god i want you to get this message because it will bless your heart forever so he had given them a picture he said he will be he didn't say he is in you he said he will be in you that was a promise and it happened and i pray it will happen in somebody's life today turn with me to john 16 verse 7 john 16 verse 7 this is our lord jesus christ talking here again he said in verse 7 nevertheless i tell you the truth it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, that's the comforter, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Somebody say amen. Did you see that? Jesus was giving us another helper. He was the helper. But he lived in a physical body so he could be at one place at a time. But when he was to leave, he gave them a promise that look, if it is to your advantage that I depart and go to heaven. Because if I do not go, I cannot send the Holy Spirit. He was to go to heaven and receive the promise of the Father. The Father promised him that if you should lay down your life for humankind, I'm going to give you the best of all gifts. And you can, you can share that gift with all humanity who believe in you. And that gift is the Holy Spirit. Did you hear that? I said that gift is what? The Holy Spirit. So he knew that until he departed to heaven, 
There was no way he could receive the Holy Spirit. So he told them that it is to your advantage. If I do not go, then the one that has helped me all these three and a half years of ministry, he cannot come and help you. So I need to go to heaven. Take note of that phrase because you're going to see something very soon in John 20. I needed to go to heaven or I need to go to heaven so that when I go and I receive the promise of the Father, I can send him to you. Are you following people of God? Alright, so suffice it to say that Jesus needed to go to heaven before the Holy Spirit will come to the earth. Let's go to John 20. John, today we are going through the Bible from John 14 through John 16. We are going to John 20. Alright. Verses 21 and 22. John 20, 21 and 22. The Bible reads... In John 20, 21 and 22, Jesus, this is Jesus after he had risen from the dead. And Mary had met him. And then he told Mary, don't touch me, but go to my brethren and tell them, I go to my father and your father, my God and your God. Mary had entered the house and had, that's Mary Madeline had gone to tell them that this is what she had seen. And that same evening, after Jesus had perform his high priest assignment by sending his blood to heaven he came back to them that same evening so in John 20 we see Jesus coming back to them here on earth to meet with them in the room and look at verse 21 he entered the room and the Bible said in verse 21 so Jesus said to them again peace to you as the father has sent me I also send you Verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. I said, Take note of the word receive because that will be the ultimate thing we will diagnose when we are concluding this message. But this is a picture. We have seen in John 16 a while ago that Jesus needed to go to heaven. Are you following, people of God? Jesus needed to go to, go to where? Heaven before the Holy Spirit will be sent back on earth here to be with the disciples and then be in them. But in John 20, as at John 20, he had not yet gone to heaven. Yes, I know that he had gone to heaven that same day to perform his priestly rite, okay? But if we claim, let's do some argument here now. If we claim that, okay, this was the ascension that needed to bring the Holy Spirit to them, then why did he now ask them when he was departing after 40 days, 40 days after his resurrection, why did he now tell them to go and wait in Jerusalem to wait for the promise of the Father? Please, are you getting my argument? In other words, what was Jesus communicating here when he told them, receive the Holy Spirit? He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Can I explain? For the benefit of those who do not know. I said that up until this time, the disciples were still not born again. What is the requirement to be born again? You must what? Confess the lordship of Jesus and believe in your heart that God had raised him from the dead. So this was the time the man had been raised from the dead. And so by virtue of the fact that when they saw him, unfortunately, it, because they were men of the senses, they had to see before they believed. But still, God just allowed it anyway. That, okay, you have seen me, you believe. I breathe on you, but receive the Holy Spirit. What was Jesus doing? He, it was a form of recreation. Let's call it so. 
Like in Adam's day, when God created Adam, the Bible says God breathed into his nostrils and man became a living soul. This was also a form of recreation. The first one was creation. This was a recreation. This was when the disciples were born again. If you don't agree, we can argue about that later. But suffice it to say that as we journey on, you will realize that if they had received the fullness of the Spirit, then they, they, they wouldn't have needed to go and wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit again. Are you getting the point? So when he breathed on them, there was something that took place in their spirit. That was the time the Holy Spirit washed the sin nature. That was the time the Holy Spirit imparted the nature of God, which is the righteousness of God, and imparted the life of God to them. And they became born again. In other words, they became holy on the inside, so holy enough to receive the fullness of the Spirit. What am I saying here? Let me show you a picture. This is to tell you, this is to tell you that there is a measure of the Holy Spirit in the new birth. Can I say that again? I said there's what? A measure of the Holy Spirit in the new birth. When someone is born again, the work of being born again, becoming a child of God, is the work of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit cannot work in your spirit without he rubbing himself on you. So there is a measure of himself in you. The Bible calls it the wells of salvation. The what? Can you say it again? The wells of salvation. So when someone is born again, the work of the spirit in that person's spirit brings about the planting of the wells of salvation in his spirit. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit. So when he said, receive the Holy Spirit, so to speak, Jesus was planting in their spirit the wells of salvation. But I hope you know that wells or well is different from river. True or not true? Which one has... Okay, can somebody tell me the distinction between a well and a river? Wells don't flow, do they? Wells are dug into the ground and the water is stagnant, so to speak. You need to use a container to fetch from the well and that's it. Unfortunately, the children who have never gone to any village before, you live in a crowd all your life. I'm sure you don't know what well is. Maybe you have read about it in school. <laughs> but suffice it to say that those days in secondary school, that was our source of water. Well, sometimes in the dry season, you go to the well and there's no water. Wait, you don't wait. You'll come back and just find some water somewhere and wash your hair, wash your face, do a blush, you know, wash your armpits. And then you are gone to class. Hallelujah. No water. So this is wells of salvation that was planted in their spirit. But a river flows. And do you know in John 7 verse 37 through 39. The Bible says that in the last day, that great day of the feast. Jesus stood up and cried out with a loud voice. If any man is thirsty, let him come unto me and drink. For he that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his innermost being, out of his belly, shall flow, what? Wells? Did he say wells? Out of his belly shall flow, what? Rivers of living water. And verse 39 of John 7 says, And this he spoke concerning the Holy Spirit, who was to be given, who, or no, rather, who was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. 
That is John 7, 37 through 39. Jesus was not yet glorified, so the Holy Spirit was not yet given. The question is, when was Jesus glorified? Jesus was glorified when he ascended to heaven and received the promise of the Father. So, this is to confirm that in John 20, verse 21 and 22, which we just read, that was not the ultimate reception of the fullness of the Spirit, but that was to get them born again, to make them holy enough on the inside for the Holy Spirit to dwell in them. Because how can the Holy Spirit dwell in you when you are not holy? For how can two walk together? And said they agree. How can the Holy Spirit, Bible says, he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. And the Bible says, now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So the Holy Spirit cannot join himself with your spirit if you are not born again. That is why he told them in John chapter 14 that whom the world cannot receive. He didn't say whom the world may not be able to receive. They cannot. You cannot receive the Holy Spirit if you are not born again. It's not possible. If anybody said he's not born again but he has the Holy Spirit, I dare stay to that individual. That is not the Holy Spirit. That is another spirit. It's not God's spirit, but our another spirit. That is why I say, test the spirits, whether they be of God. Because there are many people who have gone out in the world who have something else other than the Holy Spirit. But if somebody is born again, he qualifies. That's the qualification to receive the Holy Spirit. You may refer to the person's past and say, oh, but I know this man, he was a murderer. Maybe you may look like someone like Paul. He was a murderer. In fact, Paul supervised the death of Stephen. He ensured that as they stoned Stephen, everybody would lay their, their clothes. You know, they removed their clothes to be able to stone well. They would remove their clothes and put it at the feet of Saul. And he was supervising. Make sure he throw, hit his head, hit his stomach, hit him well. He was a murderer. And yet, when he got converted and got filled with the Spirit, see the things that God has used him to do today to, to test of the New Testament was written by this same man. Can I say to somebody who may feel disqualified, you are not disqualified. Not when the blood of Jesus Christ is involved. When the blood washes you, you are washed indeed. Hallelujah. They may refer to your past and say that about you, you did this, you did that. Ask them, and so what? Hey. If God qualified me, who would disqualify me? The Bible says, who is he that condemns? It's Christ that justifies. So I'm preparing the heart of those who feel that I do not, I'm not so holy enough. How do you make yourself holy? He made us holy. Bible says you are washed. You are sanctified. You are justified. God did it. So don't do anything. And in fact, you even discover as we move on that you don't even need to wait for the Holy Spirit again. Don't say that he told the disciples to go and wait in Jerusalem. So me too, I'm waiting for the Holy Spirit. That is why I titled my message, Receive. Now we are not to wait. We are to receive what has already been given. Are you following? Thank you. Alright. So have you anybody who has the argument that are you sure that that was when they got born again? Because I want you to get a foundation in John 20 that that was when they got born again. And that was when they became qualified to receive the Holy Spirit. So you see from John 20 you go to us chapter 1. Am I, am I right? John 20 you go to John 21 and then in fact, in John 21, you see how he gave them the final instructions. And then in Acts chapter 1, in Acts chapter 1, we find Jesus 
moving with the disciples to the Mount of Olives or Mount Olivet. And then as he was talking to them, they even asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Then he told them that it is not for you to know the times which the Father has put in his own power, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. I wish I would dwell on that particular verse, as, as chapter 1 verse 8, next week. Because that's not my emphasis this morning. Then as they move on, he now began to give them instructions. The final things that he wanted them to do. He told them that, don't go anywhere. This was the 40th day after John 20. Please, are you there? Between John 20 and Acts chapter 1 was 40 days. So this was the time we were seeing the man about to ascend. And he has told us that until I go, the Holy Spirit will not come. So we see him talking with them and all of a sudden, a cloud appeared in their midst. These were angels. But from afar, you see them as clouds. But when you get closer, in fact, when they got closer, they realized that these are myriads of angels in white apparel that gathered around to receive the master. And he ascended in their midst. Right in their eyes, they saw the man ascending. Who said God doesn't work against gravity? You said that gravity, when anything that goes up comes down. Not when you are dealing with my Jesus. I said not when you are dealing with my Jesus. God's power transcends natural laws. Listen, there is nothing wrong with natural laws. Never forget that God created natural laws and he also created supernatural laws. The difference between natural and supernatural is the word super. It means superior. That we have the natural laws and we have the supernatural laws which are superior to the natural. There are those of us who believe only in the supernatural so you believe that, well, anything natural, I don't want it. So when even you have a cut on your body and you need to treat it and put some... Spirit, hmm? wash it so that you will not be infected. He said that I believe in the Holy Ghost, He will heal me fine. But if you don't take care, that same leg will get rotten and will cut it. Doctor, am I saying the truth? Yeah. Because the only gift God has given to humankind that distinguishes us from all other creation of God is our brain. He gave us that grace so that we will apply both natural and supernatural laws to our advantage. So don't sit in church and say that everything should be supernatural. You want to go to Afghanistan. You say that, just ask Jesus walk on water. Me too, I'm going to walk on water and go to Afghanistan. Try it. You will carry your dead body and come and bury you in Ghana. I don't know who I'm talking to because this is not my message. But I know that when I'm ministering the spirit, somebody needs something. So I flow as the spirit directs. Hallelujah. Right. So, Acts chapter 1, we see Jesus ascending. Then in Acts chapter 2, can you turn to Acts chapter 2? Let me show you something. This was 10 days after Jesus had ascended. And we call it the day of Pentecost. Pentecost simply means 50. Okay? So, 50 days after Jesus Christ had risen from the dead, we find something supernatural happening. The day of Pentecost. I said, he rose from the dead. He told them that until I go, you cannot receive the Holy Spirit or I cannot send the Holy Spirit. So he needed to go. And then he now came to them the very day he rose from the dead, breathed on them 
And we have identified that, that was when they got born again. Then, 40 days after he had lived with them, he ascends to heaven. But 10 days after he ascended, which is 50 days since he rose from the dead, something remarkable happened. Acts chapter 2. Let me read from verse 1 through 4. You can take your time and read the whole of Acts chapter 2. Wonderful things are there, but because of time, let me just dwell on the first four verses. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. This is 120 disciples. 120. Including the, the 11 apostles. And suddenly, verse 2, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Verse 3. Then appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one and one sat upon each of them. Verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And began. Can you take note of that word? And what? Please. If you can shout it for me, I'll be grateful. And what? And they began to speak with other tongues. As the Spirit gave them a trance. Now, you will discover from subsequent scriptures that anytime somebody receives the Holy Spirit, the person automatically is given a supernatural language other than his mother tongue. Okay, I know some people will say that if you read further, you realize that in this case, they were not speaking the tongues we speak. I've had arguments like that. They spoke language that the people who were around understood do you have that kind of argument in your mind so can i explain all right i like argument honestly i like argument i have an analytical mind so i like analyzing scripture so we can rightly divide the word of truth so if you have that argument that oh but on that day we heard them speak in the language that people understood but please take note these 120 disciples were Galileans. They were what? They were Jews. They were Hebrews. And which language do Hebrews speak? What language? What language do Hebrews speak? The Hebrew language. The Jewish language. So, as Galileans, who were typical Galileans, I'm telling you, these were Jews to the extent that even long after Jesus had gone, Peter, for instance, the chief apostle, had a certain, you know, discrimination against Gentiles. Said that when God even showed him a vision to go and minister to the Gentiles, he said that I have not eaten anything unclean. Jews had this kind of inchiramusubai. You know, inchiramusubai. It's like you are unclean. You are so unclean to the extent that one time one person came to Jesus and said that if you can just heal my daughter, Jesus said, don't give the children's food to who. The dogs, he called the woman dog. If you and I were the one, we would have taken offense. But the woman was smarter and said, that, oh, I know. But even the dogs, they eat from the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Oh, look, when you, when you want something, and, and go for it, even if they, they, they trample on you, this is what I'm, I want. Like the woman with the issue of blood. She was not qualified by law to come in the midst of people. But I'm telling you, oh, can you imagine crawling on the floor in between people's legs? Everybody was touching Jesus, but her touch was a touch of faith. When you want something, go for it. By faith and by humility. 
Don't say me. Is it me that the person spoke to me like that? Bible says, submit yourself therefore to God before you can resist the devil. If you are not submissive to God, you can't resist the devil. Bible says that humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will lift you up in due time. For God resists the proud but gives what? Grace to the humble. Those of us who are proud in heart, everything, me, hey, my chance, me, me, I'm, I'm, you can't talk to me like that. But who are you anyway? Have you seen yourself in sleep before? When you sleep, just look at yourself when you sleep. You will know that, ah, you, there's no difference between you and a dead body. So pray on one say. I don't know who I'm talking to. This is not my message. I'm going somewhere. Oh, Shalakaduski. I feel like talking in tongues this morning. Hmm. So they began to speak when they were filled. But here's the point. If somebody has the argument that, but they spoke tongues of men. But these were Galileans. It tells you that they were speaking a language that they themselves did not understand. They were what? Tongues of men. But they themselves, it was unknown tongues to them. It was other tongues. Bible said they began to speak with what? I like it. Okay, it's there. Oh, I like the answer. It's even in the verse. Bible said, Then there appeared unto them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with what? other tongues. Bible didn't say they began to speak with Hebrew tongue. They began to speak with other tongues. Somebody say other tongues. Whether it was Chi or Ever or Fanti or Hausa or Igbo language or Yoruba language, whichever one, it was other tongues other than the Hebrew tongue. So it was still a foreign language to them. To them they were speaking something they didn't know as a result of the infilling of the spirit as a result of receiving the holy spirit they were speaking something else which was unknown to them but it was known to those who were listening are you following child of god i'm going somewhere i want to get a picture no wonder in first corinthians chapter 13 verse 1 you can write it down and later refer to it first corinthians 13 verse 1 paul said if i speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love. What happens? Say, I am nothing. Two things are revealed here. If I speak with the tongues of what? Men and of angels. So when it comes to other tongues, it could either be tongues of men or tongues of angels. Are you getting the picture? But both are unknown to the one speaking. Okay. I remember in the 90s, there's this man of God who one day I will introduce in this pulpit. A great man of God in this nation. I was not there when he told the story, but a member of his church came and told me the story that this man shared a story of how he was traveling from Ghana to, I think, Ethiopia or some, you know, northern African country. And whilst in the aeroplane, he sat by this person who looks like an, an Arab. And then, as a prophet, he began to speak in other tongues because he was preparing himself for the assignment you know, for which he was traveling. Whilst he was praying, the person sitting by him became uncomfortable and started speaking a language foreign to this prophet. Because to the man, the prophet understood his language. That was why the prophet was also speaking his language. So the man replied in 
his mother tongue, let's say he's an Ethiopian, he started speaking Ethiopian language. Then the prophet said, I don't understand. He now spoke in English. I don't understand what you're saying. Then the, the, this foreigner said, but you just spoke my tongues. He now also came to me. You just spoke my mother tongue and you mentioned my name. And you mentioned my wife's name. And even told me how I have stolen my wife's jewelry. And I'm traveling from this country to so-so and so country to go and sell the jewelry. And that God wants me to repent and give my heart to Christ and take back the jewelry of my wife. Back to where? You just said that. That is how this foreigner gave his heart to Christ. But all these things were unknown to the prophets. Yet known to the recipient. So on the day of Pentecost, what actually happened was that God gave them other tongues, but we call it ministerial tongues. Tongues to minister to the recipient, but it's unknown to you. It has happened several times. I said it as what? Well. Happened several times with people who love speaking in tongues. There are times where you'll be speaking in tongues. I remember those days in Watered Garden, we'll be praying in tongues. And then, you know, somebody came to me and said that you were saying this in every language. You know why I like the every language? The person said everything that I said in every language. And I said, me, I've never even spoken ever before. He said, this is what he's, and he, I said, I don't know what you're talking about. I was speaking ever in tongues. Unknown to me, but the people who were in the prayer meeting understood what I was saying. So don't sit down and say that, oh, on the day of Pentecost, what they received was tongues. But it was tongues, right? I mean, tongues of men, but it was unknown to the speaker, yet known to the recipient. We call it ministerial tongues. So when you receive the gift of speaking in tongues, it could be both. It could also be the tongues of angels. As for tongues of angels, do you need to, do you need to communicate with them? All you need to do is that speak their language that they understand. Once they understand, they will execute your word. That is what most of us are used, I mean, used to. So we use it in prayer language. We use it in fellowship. We use it in communion with God. But many of our generation, many people in our generation don't know the tongues of men. But I pray that in IPR and in this generation, you receive both in Jesus' name. Say so that when you speak, it may be unknown to you, but God can use you to communicate. That is when it is called a sign. That is when they believe that, ah, God has given me a sign that then what this man is saying is true. Because the person speaking, these were Galileans who have never spoken. Look at the languages they spoke. If you read Acts chapter, chapter 2, you will see the languages that they spoke. Hmm. Can I just give you a picture of what they spoke? Who can tell me the verse? Alright, in and in verse, in verse 7 of Acts chapter 2, the Bible says, then they were all amazed and marveled saying to one another, look, are not all these who speak Galileans? All of 20, or the 120, they were Galileans. So are they not all Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? So they were amazed. And look at the languages. Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya. Africa was also included. Hallelujah. Egypt and parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene or Cyrene, whichever one you want to pronounce. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. 
Did you hear that? They heard them speak in their own tongues the wonderful works of God. But the people speaking, they didn't know what they were saying. All they knew was Marakata, Prata, Mantoza, Zagregade, Shagregade. Meanwhile, the one receiving says, Ah, he is telling me my name. He is telling me that I'm going to give birth in the month of. I prophesy, may your children come. I prophesy, may your children come. In the name of Jesus. The tongues I just spoke was a prophecy to somebody. If you are receiving, expecting a baby, I prophesy the babies are already planted in the womb. Go and execute your physical action. It is done. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Have I convinced somebody now so I can go on? All right. Thank you. So, now, I said, take note. In the subsequent verses, you're going to see that anytime the Holy Spirit feels the people, and next week, Sunday, when we are dealing with baptism of the Holy Spirit, you understand the difference between receiving the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, and baptism in the Spirit. I would want to explain this to the whole world, especially the church in this generation. Because once we get it, we will do the right thing, and we will do the works of God till Jesus comes. Somebody say amen. I told you, I'm, I'm sharing my heart with you. This is my passion. Alright, Acts chapter 8. You see the pro progress. We are moving from John 14 through John 16, John 20, Acts 2. We are now in Acts 8. Acts chapter 8, verse 14 through 17. Acts 8, 14 through 17. The Bible says, Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard, up until now, the apostles remained in Jerusalem. Meanwhile, Jesus had told them that you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and then unto the uttermost part of the earth. But they were still in Jerusalem after, up to Acts chapter 8. When the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria, who were the Samaritans? The Samaritans were partly Jews and partly Gentiles. So the Jews considered them outcasts. That these people, they don't have any Jewish blood. And yet, they still consider that there's some form of Jewish something about them. Yet, there were some differences. As for pure Gentiles, the Jews didn't want to have anything to do with them. But when they heard... Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God... Take note, they received what? The word of God. That's the gospel. Meaning they received Christ because Jesus is the word. It's like somebody who is born again. When they heard that they were born again... They have received Christ. This is a new creation. What did they do? Listen. They sent Peter and John to them. These were chief apostles. The chief apostles were Peter, James, and John. This will tell you that this is a serious matter. It's a very serious matter. When it comes to the ministration of the spirit, it's not for boys. It's for the chief ones. To tell you that God places premium importance on the subject of receiving the Holy Spirit. Take note. They sent to them Peter and John who when they had come down prayed. Today somebody is going to be prayed for. Prayed for them that they might receive. Take note of the word receive again. It's the same word. That they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Stop there. How can somebody be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus if the person is not born again? Is it possible? 
I believe that in the month of July or possibly the, the closing week of June, we will teach on Christian baptism in water again so that we can prepare the next batch of those who are to be baptized in water in the name of Jesus for 2nd July. Take note of the date so that you can give your names to the administrative table concerning baptism in water which will take place in 2nd July. Is that alright? But suffice it to say that when we look at that subject some months or weeks back last year, we discovered that you cannot be baptized in water if you are not born again. Because baptism in water is to identify with the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus. So if the people had only been baptized in the name of Jesus, it meant they were born again. How many agree or you don't agree? You agree? Show your hands. All right. I just want us to argue out scripture. Analyze scripture with the spirit of discernment and the spirit of God so that we can come to a conclusion today because today you must receive the Holy Spirit. Yo. All right. Who, verse 15 again, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet, he had fallen upon none of them. Listen, the Holy Spirit had already been given, but they had not yet received. He had not fallen upon them yet, but they prayed for them. Bible says they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 17, then they laid hands on them. This is one way by which people receive the Holy Spirit. Those who already feel the Spirit lays hands on those who are to receive. Then they lay hands on them and they receive. Take note of the word again, receive. And they receive the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. So through laying on of hands today for those who need it, they will receive the Holy Spirit. But we will see another way of receiving the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 10. Turn with me to Acts chapter 10. We are still progressing through scripture. Acts 10. Verse 44 through 46. In Acts chapter 10, God wanted to open the gospel to the Gentiles. The Jews never believed that the Gentiles were part of the commonwealth of Israel. But the Bible says Jesus came to his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him to them, he gave the power, the right to become the sons of God. Hallelujah. So whether Jew or Gentile, once you receive Christ, you are a child of God. But the Jews were so discriminative that anything Gentile was considered offensive. It's like for even Peter to go amongst the Gentiles, they queried him. In fact, the other disciples came to him and said, why did you go to the Gentiles? And then Peter narrated the story. Take your time and read Acts chapter 10. Peter narrated the story and told them that, look, the same thing that happened to us in Acts chapter 2, it happened also in their house. And who am I to stop them? I didn't even, I, I'm sure if God had waited for Peter to preach and say that, okay, who wants to receive the Holy Spirit? Peter wouldn't have done it because he had a prejudice mentality. His mind was still prejudiced against the Gentiles. So God, sometimes God does that. God, out of his own will, decided that whilst Peter was talking, he himself would get them converted and fill them with the Spirit. May that experience be somebody's experience today in the name of Jesus. So that without your natural power, I have heard of people who were sleeping, and I think some have even had that experience in this house, while sleeping, they found themselves speaking in tongues. And then when they woke up, it just flowed. The very tongues they were speaking in their dreams, it just woke up and rakapa. It just flows like river. That is God 
working a work in you. Hallelujah. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in us, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. It's not our work. It is God at work in us. May his name be praised forever. So in Acts 10, 44 through 46, the Bible says, While Peter was speaking, he is in Cornelius' house. Cornelius has guarded all his household. Cornelius was a Gentile, but he loved God. He loved the things of God. Sometimes you find people who want to do right, but they don't know that it is not our work of righteousness which we do. It is the righteousness of God at work in us that pleases God. And Cornelius was like that. He was a man who, who was even praying religious prayers and was giving alms, but he didn't know God. I pray that you will take this gospel to those who are doing right and yet are not born again yet. So God saw the man's heart and said, look, I will use this man as a doorway to the Gentile world so that the gospel, the Holy Spirit can also enter the Gentile world. While Peter was still speaking, verse 44 of Acts 10, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision, that is the Jews, who believed were astonished. So what? What's happening here? Gentiles? Hmm, they were astonished. As many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. They were astonished, shocked. Verse 46. For they heard them. How did they know that the Holy Spirit had fallen upon them? Look at what happened. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter said, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? Did you get a point? I remember when we taught on Christian baptism in water, we discovered that there are times where someone is born again before, I mean, born again and then baptized in water before he receives the Holy Spirit. There are times where the person also is born again, receives the Holy Spirit before he is baptized in water. Whichever way, God doesn't have any formula. Are you there? I said, God doesn't want have any formula. That's what we just discovered. In the case of Acts chapter 8 concerning the, 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 the believers in Samaria, they had been born again, they had been baptized in water, but they had not received the Holy Spirit yet. So Peter and John went, lay hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit. In the case of the Gentiles, like Cornelius and his household, they were not even, they had not even heard the gospel. The angel that revealed this to Cornelius couldn't preach the gospel because the gospel is not entrusted in the care of angels. We are the custodians of the gospel. You must preach the gospel. Hallelujah. I say you must do what? Preach the gospel. You must explain the gospel. So it had to take God to do a work on Cornelius through an angel and do a work on Peter through an angel and then Peter now had to journey with some people, went to Cornelius' house and whilst he was preaching, God himself converted their hearts. It's not difficult to be born again. Believe and be converted. And to tell you that indeed they were holy on the inside, the Holy Spirit that came upon them and filled them and they began to speak in other tongues. So Peter said, what? How did these people know this? Because we, it had to take a process. But for them, God just did it. So who can now stop us from baptizing them? Now that they are born again and filled with the Spirit. Oh, may God be, be praised forevermore. Let's read the first six verses of Acts chapter 19. Acts 19, 1 to 6. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. Take note, he found some disciples. These people look like 
them. So he found them and then he said to them, did you receive, take note of the word receive, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? I like the question. What does it tell us? It tells us that when someone believes, it is a requirement that after believing and being born again, you must receive the Holy Spirit. So Paul saw that these are disciples. Not knowing they were not disciples of Christ. You will see it very soon. But they looked like disciples like they had known. So he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Wow. This was very revealing. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? Next week, when I deal with baptism in the Holy Spirit, you understand that there's a difference between receiving the Holy Spirit and baptism in the Holy Spirit. Not don't miss next week's service as well, please. So they said, into John's baptism. Paul said, wow, 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 I don't understand. You see, look at what Paul said. Verse 4. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people, that they should believe on, on him whom who, who will come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. In other words, Paul was explaining to them that the, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. You see, John was an intermediary between the old covenant and the new covenant. He was a transitional prophet. He was a prophet who was sent to prepare a people ready for Christ. But Christ also came with his baptism and John the Baptist had his baptism. His baptism was to make people, those who are saying that, okay, I'm ready for the, the Messiah to come. I'm ready. Then they were baptized. So John's baptism is not the same as the Christian baptism in water. Is that okay? Though they are the same phenomenon of going down in the water and coming up out of the water. But they were not the same. So John, look at verse 5. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Meaning that they had not gone through the process yet. So Paul had to baptize them now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Look at what it says. And when Paul, Paul laid, had laid hands on them, when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they spoke with tongues and this time and prophesied. Some say prophesied. Wow. Meaning that, you see, when the Holy Spirit comes, let's start from God. God gave his best gift. His only begotten son. Jesus Christ gives his best gift. That is the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit also comes, they are all givers. The, the Godhead is a giver. Hallelujah. When the Holy Spirit also comes, he also gives you a gift. His best gift is the gift of speaking in other tongues because he wants you to have the ability to commune at God's level. For how can two walk together except they agree? How can you be walking with God and you are not communing in a language God understands? Yes, your mother tongue is available, but how limited our mother tongue sometimes can be. That's why in Romans chapter 8, it says, For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. We, we have a burden, but we don't know what to say. But the Spirit Himself helps our infirmities with groanings which cannot be uttered, which cannot be expressed in human articulate language. That's the word uttered. Wow. So God gave His best. Jesus, Jesus gives his best, the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit gives his best, which is the gift of speaking in tongues. All other gifts, including 
prophecy that we saw here or gift of interpretation of tongues or gift of working of miracles or gifts of healing or gift of faith or gift of word of knowledge word of discernment or um, that's discern of spirits or word of wisdom all these gifts come along as you Bible says the Holy Spirit gives severally as he wills if you are called for instance into into the work of let's say working of miracles you look like a man like Bishop Ajinasari. Right from the time the man started his ministry in the north, northern region, you see the gift of working of miracles flowing in his ministry effortlessly. Effortlessly. And it goes with the gift of word of knowledge. He can just tell you that I can see a man here. You are you, you are you are standing at this side of the whatever. Your your, your left ear is, is is blocked, but God is unstopping your ears, and so it happens naturally. As though, you understand, it's a supernatural work of God, but it happens naturally. That is the gift that came with his calling. But the primary gift, which is for communion with God, is the gift of speaking in tongues. But the Holy Spirit adds all the other gifts. As we work with him, it's like somebody who is working in an office. The more you are dedicated and the more you, you, know, you upgrade yourself, you are promoted. Is that not so? As God sees your faithfulness, he adds other gifts. He gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. And I pray that you will not stop at the gift of speaking in tongues. May God add prophecy. May God add interpretation of tongues. May God add the work, working of miracles. May God add the gifts of healing. May God add the gift of faith. May God add the gift of discerning of spirits. The word of knowledge. Word of wisdom. In the name of Jesus Christ. Yeah. He does it as he wills. But he also tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. That we should desire spiritual gifts. Especially that you may, no, verse chapter 12 rather. Especially that you may prophesy. I pray that in this prophetic ministry, God will raise prophets who will prophesy. And prophetic ministers who have the gift of prophecy and prophesy. In the name of Jesus. That is why in the last week after, this is 13th, 20th is baptism in the Holy Spirit. But 27th, I'm teaching on what I call impartation through the laying on of hands and i will show you what god wants to impart to this house what i have is what god wants me to give so we can start preparing ourselves as a big house july august september you will become big i say you will become big and you will be heard all over the world in the name of jesus christ why receive the holy spirit why there are many reasons why. But to sum all the reasons, I'll show you a scripture in Isaiah chapter 28. Isaiah prophesied this gift as far back as 700 years before the Holy Spirit was given. Isaiah 28. Why? That's the question. Somebody, but why? I can choose not to, I mean, I'm, a, I'm born again. Just like we saw in Acts chapter 8. They were born again, they were baptized. Yet, the apostles knew that they needed something. So they had to send Peter and John, go and lay hands on these people. So the question is, why receive the Holy Spirit? Isaiah 28. Let me read 11 and 12. Ah, yeah, yeah. Look at Isaiah prophesying here. For with stammering lips. Some say stammering lips. I hope you know a stammer. Somebody is stammering. When you are praying in tongues, it's, a, it's like you are using a stammering lips and another tongue some say another tongue this is a tongue different from your mother tongue so two things are here 
then other, other tongue or another tongue is flowing through a stammering lips. You may look at him and say, this man is drunk. He's drunk with wine. What is he doing? What is the meaning of that? You don't understand it, but in the realm of the spirit, the Bible says he's speaking mysteries, hidden secrets. It is offensive to the natural mind. Yet this is the glory of God. This is Isaiah prophesying. For with Samaritan lace and another tongue, he will speak to these people. He was talking about the Jews first and foremost. But you know, in Romans chapter 1, the verse 12, he said, or verse 16, he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. So the gospel came first to the Jews. They did not receive him. And then he turned to the Gentiles to provoke the Jews to jealousy so that they would repent. God is wonderful. <laughs> I love Jesus. For with some lace and another tongue, he will speak to these people to whom he said, This is hey, 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 this is deep, deep. Let's look at it. To whom he said, This is the rest. He didn't say this is a rest. This is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet they will not hear. Hmm. I pray you will hear. I said what? I pray. Don't be like the Jews. He brought them the rest. They were looking for rest. You know, in, in Matthew, is it Matthew 28? I just read Isaiah 28 verse 11. Is that right? So that would be Matthew 11, 28 rather. I see that the verses are 10. Somebody can check it. I'm, I'm sure that's right. Yeah. Matthew 11, 28. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. And I will do what? I will give you rest. What rest was he talking about? The Holy Spirit. There are some of us who are struggling in our Christian life. Do you know why? You have refused to receive God's rest. This is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary. Some of us are weary. The least thing that we are tired. We don't have the energy to go on. He has given you the rest. You two, you say you don't want it. Okay, try all the other efforts. You know, it's okay to do physical exercise. Bible says physical exercise profits a little. That is why on the 15th of June, we are coming to do IPR. First IPR Keep Fit Club from 6 a.m. Outside there. You better come in your... Hey, hey, hey. You better come. Because we need a little also. After, after, as we do the spiritual, we need a little. So it's okay to do physical exercise, get the energy. It's okay to eat good food. It's okay. But the greatest miracle God has given us that can give all rest. When you don't pray, you allow demons to poo-poo on you, to wee-wee on you. Flies don't settle on hot banku. When you are hot, flies don't settle on you. So when demons weary and people on you, all of a sudden you feel down. You feel depressed. You feel some of the depression is not medication that will solve it. It is before you realize the depression is lifted. The demon is gone and you feel alive and awake. So you say you don't want this rest. Now well, that's you. We also go to heaven, but you are cheating yourself. You are robbing yourself of God's best. He says, for with stammering lips and another tongue will he say to these people to whom he said, this is the rest. 
wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. In Acts chapter 2, when Peter spoke to the people, he told them that repent so that the times of refreshing will come upon you. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. Someone said the times of refreshing. Times of refreshing. You know, when you pray in tongues, you are like somebody who has taken a new shower. You feel fresh and alive. You even smell good perfume just because you prayed in tongues. People of God, I wish we would use this gate and change our circumstances. It is for your personal edification. God has given it for you so that you can commune with him at his level, not at your level. Listen, God will not come to your level. He wants you to upgrade yourself to his level. So he has given you the helper, the one that helps you to upgrade yourself to his level so you can walk with God and talk at God's level. Don't, don't mind if you don't even understand what you're saying. But God understands it anyway. The angels who are to execute your word understand it anyway. So what's your problem? Why let your mind limit yourself? You want to go by your understanding? He said, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Can I tell you something? This was what the prophets of old were longing for. They prophesied about it. Isaiah prophesied about it, but they never saw it. Peter says that the prophets were looking for these days. They searched the scriptures. What manner of times God was talking, I'm talking about. And Peter says that God was talking about us, our generation, that will receive God's best his Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he gives you his best. The gift to talk God's language. That is, it's not just a gift of speaking in tongues for speaking's sake. He wants you to commune with God. Because when you speak in other tongues, the Bible says, though your understanding is unfruitful, however, in the spirit, you are speaking hidden secrets. Which Satan doesn't have access to. So before Satan realizes, ah, how did this man escape from A and he's now in Z? How? It was hidden secrets, unknown to the devil. Hallelujah. Even unknown to yourself, but you trusted that the Holy Spirit will transport you anyway. When we are communing with God, we are being transported. It will happen in your life. I know. Please use this gift. IPR, use this gift. Those who have received the Holy Spirit, don't pocket it and sit on it. Use it. When you don't understand how your life is going, talk them tongues. Let them say, you sort of you going to work, you are talking in tongues. Okay, go ahead. You just give yourself two months, three months before you realize you are transformed. Change. You are looking for blood pressure. I say, ah, where is it? It's gone. So you are no longer going to use your money on blood pressure. High blood pressure. You are looking for high blood sugar level. You, you realize that it's gone. Because the Bible says that if the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ shall also quicken. He shall, he shall vitalize. He shall give life to your mortal body by his spirit that dwells in you. The one in you. Not the well, but the river. Yes, if you're born again, you have the well. But why don't you go extra further? I mean, extra mile to get the, the river as well. It's for you. In fact, if you read Acts chapter 2, Peter said this gift is for you, to your children, and to all those who are far off, even as many as God will call. It's for everybody. It's for everybody. Once you are born again, it's for you. Don't say that I need to go through uh, sanctimonious, uh, uh, whatever, whatever, before I now qualify for the Holy Spirit. That is man's theory. Let God be true, but every man a liar. 
Oh, that the 21st century generation will discover what we have. Because I discover that many of us have the Holy Spirit, but we don't know that there's a difference between the receiving the Holy Spirit and baptism in the Holy Spirit. Don't miss next week's message because if I combine the two, we will, we will stay here till 5 p.m. But I won't do that. So that's why I've separated the two so that you will be ready after you've received the Holy Spirit or after you who have received the Holy Spirit will now have the appetite that the Spirit of God will take over. That is what baptism is all about. That you will take over. He is in your life. Not just to be subject to you, but that you now will be subject to him. In Jesus' name. How to receive the Holy Spirit? How? Can I answer that question? You receive the Holy Spirit the same way you receive Jesus. How did you receive Jesus? That's the question. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved. Through faith, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's by grace through what? Faith. Some say faith. And faith is the response. I like that word. Faith is what? The response of the human spirit to the word of God. So there must be a response on your part. When you hear the word, you must respond to it. And when you respond to it and you believe the gospel and you say, Jesus, I believe that you died for me. Therefore, I receive remission of sins. And I confess that you are my Lord. Immediately, you are born again. You are saved. I said, you receive the Holy Spirit the same way you receive Christ. So in Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, Paul tells us that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having been made a curse for us. For it is written, Curse is everyone who hangs on a tree that, take note, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. The blessing of Abraham was already that of the Jews. But now God wanted to combine both the Jew and the Gentile because Abraham believed God even before the law. That's why the Bible considered righteousness. Righteousness came by faith to Abraham. And therefore God gave him the whole world. Oh my God. And he gave him everything. To him and to his seed. And the Bible says, if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Are you there? So if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. So the promise and the blessing of Abraham is yours. So Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having been made a curse for us. For it is written, curse is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. He didn't stop there. Check, check Galatians 3.14. And that we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. Two things here. Those who are heirs of salvation, they receive the blessing of Abraham, then they also receive the Holy Spirit. The question is, why the word receive, receive, receive? Let me just read the Greek translation of that word to you. The Greek word translated in all the words we just saw as receive is lambano. Someone say lambano. Lambano, let me just read some of the meanings of lambano. It means to take. Someone say to take. To take with the hand, lay hold of any person or thing in order to use it. To take up a thing to be carried. To take up, to take upon oneself. 
to take in order to carry away. To take what is one's own, to take to oneself, to make one's own. Take. Hmm. Wonderful. To claim. Someone said to claim. Procure for oneself. To associate with oneself as companion. I like that. To do what? Associate. In other words, you are, we want to associate yourself with the Holy Spirit as your companion. You, you want to take him into your life. That's lambano. It's not passive, it's active. There is a response on your part. Of that which when taken is not let go. I like that. To seize, to lay hold of, apprehend. Wow. Let me just give you other meanings. To admit, receive. To receive what is offered. It is, he is offered. The Holy Spirit is given. You've got to receive. Take him. Another meaning is to receive what is given. To gain, get, obtain, to get back. And on and on and on. I can go on and on. But that is where we have gotten to. You've got to receive the Holy Spirit. I don't know why he sacrificed his life. Oh, that